Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. I'm going to read it again. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So the first thing we see in the account of creation is that when God looked over all that he had created, he saw it was very good. Let me read another scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Everything God created is good. Now, I am going to do something I don't normally do, and that is I am going to, I asked a question in the title of this broadcast, and I'm going to answer it immediately, and then I'm going to explain the answer, because usually I kind of wait to the end to actually answer the question. But I'm going to answer it right off the top, and then I'm going to explain it. So bear with me. Again, if you have questions, let me get through it to make sure that I are not going to ask, sorry, I'm not going to be answering your question. Um, if I don't, you can ask. So did God create evil? Here's the first thing that you have to understand about evil. Evil is not a thing that was created. Evil has no existence of its own, but rather it is the absence of good. I'm going to say that again. Evil is not a thing that was created. Evil has no existence of its own, but rather it is the absence of good. What do we know about darkness? I think Pastor Steve talked about this a few weeks ago. Darkness does not exist. Darkness is the absence of light. Okay? Um, so in that same vein, evil is not a thing that exists, rather, it is the absence of good, or even better to say it this way, it is the absence of God. So evil is the absence of good, or the absence of God. God did not create evil, but rather, he allows it. If God had not allowed for the possibility of evil, Mankind and angels would be forced to serve God out of obligation and not out of choice and free will. Turn to Luke chapter 10, because you're probably thinking, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> um, I hope it is interesting. It's interesting to me. Because when you understand that it's not as if, and okay, let, let, me, let me give you this, um, this example. When we use the example of darkness, that darkness is simply the absence of light. It's not a thing of itself, but rather it's when light has been removed. So as soon as light comes in, darkness is dispelled. And I'm going to give you a, an example. When I was a little kid, I, I was afraid of everything, a lot of things. I'm not anymore, but I was when I was a little kid and mostly I was afraid to go to bed. So I had a nightlight. Um, if I remember correctly, it was a little rainbow, I think. Um, and so I had this nightlight 
uh, to provide some light so it wouldn't my room wouldn't be completely dark. Now on the other hand, I want all dark to sleep. <laughs> um, and so I had this this nightlight. So when you turned the nightlight on, it provided light. As soon as you turned it off, the light was gone and the room was dark. The darkness didn't the darkness doesn't decide whether it's dark the light has to so if the light turns off then it allows for it to be dark okay yeah it was rainbow bright <laughs> okay so you have to understand that about darkness because again we pastor steve has, has, has spoken about this before so i'm not going to go in too much of the darkness thing <laughs> exactly shiba but so evil in that same vein is not an existence of itself it is the absence of good. Turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So here's what we understand spoken by Jesus that he saw Satan. Because what do we know about Satan? And let's learn about him to make sure that we know. We'll go turn to Isaiah chapter 14. He said he saw I saw Satan fall like lightning. What does that mean? It means that when Lucifer, who, who is Satan, was created, he was created good. He was not created evil. It's not that God said, you know what, I'm going to create uh, 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 99, I know it's, it's not, but 99 great angels, and then I'm going to create one bad one to be the black sheep of the family, and then he's going to cause a lot of problems. That's not how it happened. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. Oh, how you have, uh, how you have fallen from heaven. Oh, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. On the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. I want to point out something about this scripture. Five times you see something repeated. What do you see repeated? I will. Five times he said, I will, I will, I will. I will, I will, not God's will, I, mine, me. What did we learn last week uh, when we talked about pride? That the scripture in Ezekiel, in speaking about Lucifer, that he, that pride, it was the, 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 how he was proud in his heart that led to his downfall because it became no longer about God, but now about me. The focus wasn't on God. The focus was on himself. So the root of sin is from a, 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 an angel's decision, in this case, Lucifer, to go outside of relationship with God. And so evil, therefore, is the absence of, relation, uh, of righteousness, holiness, and good. Evil is the rejection of God. Lucifer said in his heart, I will, I will raise my throne. 
I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. I will ascend to heaven five times. He said, I will. Think about that. Think about Lucifer. He was, oh, oh, morning star, son of the dawn. Remember what we read in the other scripture last week about Lucifer. He was beautiful to behold. I will get to that, Jamin. Um, I have it in my notes. <laughs> um, you know, it, he was beautiful to behold, adorned with all the beautiful everything. And then he made a decision to reject God and to exalt himself, or at least attempt to exalt himself above God. But what do we know? Because Jesus pointed it out so beautifully in Luke chapter 10, that we have all authority. He was cast down out of heaven. He, Satan was not greater than God. He wanted to be, he wanted to ascend above God, but he could not. So evil originated with Satan, okay? Evil has a source within the nature of, of a created being who had free will. Because if, if God, um, if, if, if God would have said, oh, I, I don't want even the possibility of this, then what happens? What we're not making a choice. We're then being obligated to serve God. We're then being obligated to be in relationship with God because there's no possible way to make any other choice. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 17 because you see that we're gonna there, there's a place that evil resides and that evil begins. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it i the lord search the heart and examine the mind and reward to reward a man according to his conduct according to what his deeds deserve so therefore god uh, 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 created people with a nature with a choice in which they could choose but the heart ends up being deceitful ab ab above all things when you're not in right relationship with God, your father is Satan, the God, small g, of this world. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. The God of this age, small g, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we, we see that, that, that Satan ends up becoming the God small g of this world. And so if you're not serving God, you're serving him. You know, I had a, I remember um, I posted a verse about that and someone responded, I'm not serving Satan. I, well, I, I said, well, are you serving God? And he's like, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in religion. Okay, it's clear. There is a God in heaven, and then there is a God, small g, of, the, of this world where evil originated with because he made a choice. I don't want to be in relationship with God. I want to be above him. I want to be greater than him. I want to be more powerful than him. And pride came into his heart, and therefore, 
That's why we know from the book of Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all things. That's why, and we talked about this again last week in speaking about pride, that we have to guard our hearts, that we can't allow our hearts to lead us into deceit. That's why there's a phrase that I really don't like that you hear it a lot. I'm sure you know it. Follow your heart. Bad advice. (laughs) Bad advice because the heart is deceitful above all things. That's why we have to be people who are submitted to our spirit. And where's our spirit? It's in our belly. It's in our gut. Out of their bellies will will flow rivers of living water. That's the spirit. So when, when someone says follow your heart, that's terrible advice. Um, yeah, Sheba, because again, and, and, and people will not, um, they don't like that stuff because they're like, well, no, you know, I don't see it. But if you are, if you're rejecting God, it's because you're basically saying, I don't need to submit to God because there is a submission that's required and people don't like that. They don't want to admit their sin. They don't want to change from their sin and they don't want to be submitted to anybody else. Because that means putting their will aside and putting on the will of Christ. And we know what the Bible says about that. That God works on the inside of you so that gives you the power to do what he desires. So it's not that you're doing it reluctantly. It's a complete overhaul of your will. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I want to do God's will. Sometimes even Christians, if we ever ask ourselves, why do I have such a desire to do God's will? Because it's inside of you. Because it, it makes no sense uh, uh, a lot of the times. Why are you guys doing this? Why are you in church all the time? Why are you... Uh, whatever, right? Why don't you go here? Why don't you do these things? You used to do this. Why aren't you like that anymore? It, it's almost not, uh, impos- not impossible to explain, but it's hard to explain. But there's something that happens. It's, it's, a, it's a regeneration. Listen, to, uh, listen. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Because there's a transformation and a regeneration that happens and it's necessary for that to happen in order for us to be in relationship with God Ephesians 2 and verse 1 as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient there it is again the ruler of this, the kingdom of the air. You know, remember what I said before that the darkness, when I turned my light, my nightlight on, the darkness didn't have a choice. You understand? The darkness had no choice. The darkness couldn't say, no, please don't. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, don't, no light, please. No, the, the darkness doesn't get to decide that. The light is in charge. So Satan has, he does have a very small measure, a super small measure, not, not authority over us, but he does have a measure of, of power in this world. He's a root. That's what the Bible says. It's not me. Okay. He's at work and those who are, who are disobedient, but he's not in charge. He doesn't get to decide when the end comes. He doesn't get to decide the things that happen. God's ultimately in charge. The darkness doesn't have a say. I'm going to read what my aunt said. Someone will always be sitting on the chair of your heart. If it isn't God, it will be Satan. People think they won't submit to God or submit to someone. That's so great. That's really great. It's true. You're not submitted to God. You're submitted to something. 
And the Bible says, at work in those who are disobedient. That's right, Joe. We take on a new nature. All, verse 3. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of, of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That's a great promise because I don't want you to, to, to think of this and say, man, Satan's the ruler of this world. You know, he, he's having his way. He's doing whatever. Yeah, for the people who are disobedient, not for you. Because you are now made alive in Christ. You take on, like Jill said, our nature now. We have an, a nature to desire God. It's no longer a nature for ourselves. That, like, like the Lucifer nature about me. It's all about me. I, I, I. That's why I'm very like, you know, a lot of the things that we're seeing in, in the world today. What's it based out of? It's all about me. I feel this way. I want this. You all have to agree with me because I feel this way. Because I feel this. I think this. This is my truth. You're not allowed to disagree. Me, me, me. I, I, I. Selfish, selfishness is a sin. Because selfishness is what part of what got Lucifer cast out of heaven. And what brought evil into this world. That's where it originated. And as a result, you know, the, the serpent goes to tempt Eve in, in the garden. And she makes a choice. Free, free will. We're, we're free moral agents. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 12. Listen, this, this is... because because I And there's a reason why I'm, I'm going into all these scriptures. Because it, it could be easy to feel a little bit defeated in the sense that, um, you know... Satan's the, the, the God small g of this world. He's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He's at work in this world. And it can make us feel like we're, we're at his mercy. But that's not true. Colossians 1 verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we are no longer, that's the whole point. Why do we do what we do? Why do we, why do we uh, uh, call for people to get saved every time that we preach? Why? To transfer people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Because to be in the kingdom of darkness, whether you realize it or not, you have rejected God. And in, in the case of Lucifer, there was a rejection of God. God didn't create that. It was a choice. He created free moral beings who made a decision. Satan made the wrong one and Adam and Eve made the wrong one. But we've made a lot of wrong ones along the way as well. But we're no longer in that kingdom anymore. We've been transferred. So evil, 
Evil doesn't have its its origin with God in the sense that he created it. He did not because it's not something that's been created. It's something that's a result of Lucifer making a choice and saying, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not down with this. He had everything. He had everything. He had a lot of, he, he did a lot of things, but it wasn't good enough. He said to himself, ah, I can ascend. I can be better than God. So the question now is, if free will, sorry, uh, uh, so, so this is what you have to understand. Free will allows people to choose evil over good if you want to, but suffering is always the result. You can choose. If you want to choose evil over good, go for it. The great thing about God is he doesn't force anything on people. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't try to uh, uh, blackmail you into anything or, or, or uh, manipulate you into something. If you don't do this, uh, you can't work anymore. If you don't do this, you can't see your family anymore. If you don't do this, if you don't take this, uh, um, you're ostracized from society. That's not how God operates. So if you see an operation like that, I can guarantee you it's not from God and you know exactly where it's from. I'll throw, I'll th I threw that in for free. So you can choose evil over good, but if you choose evil over good, suffering is always the result. Now I have two scriptures that I need to address before we get to the end of the broadcast, because this is what trips people up. The first one is found in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7. Isaiah 45 verse 7. This is, uh, actually, let me go back a bit to, just to give you the context of it. So the beginning of the chapter says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed. Okay, so this is the Lord speaking. Verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. So, oh, that's, <laughs> you're right. And we think, wow, did not know that scripture was there. That is a tough scripture for this subject, especially after all I've been saying, right? Okay, well, let's explain it. First things first, what we always have to remember, the Bible is not written in English. I just saw um, a post from somebody who, their doctrine is a little bit different than mine. And they, were, they, were, they put these scriptures in like, you know, Bible uh, learning the Bible requires... Um, um, Learning the Bible requires, you know, deep study and you have to take the time to study the context and all that kind of thing. And it's funny because they'll say that about the, the tricky verses that they're, you know, trying to get around. But then other scriptures would be like, nope, that's just what it says. It's like, okay, either we're going to study the Bible the same way the whole way through. You can't pick and choose. The Bible's not a buffet. Ooh, this verse sounds good. This will prove my point. I'm going to use this one. Ooh. I don't know about this one. I'm going to have to dig a little bit deeper. It doesn't work that way. The Bible was not written in English. Rick, what would you like me to repeat? The scripture? Isaiah 45 verse 7. Um, the Lord speaking. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Um, so this is what causes people to think that God has created both good and bad okay even though it's tough because what we read off the beginning is all that god created is good 
God gives good gifts. All good things come from the Father above, who, who, uh, uh, who, in which there is no shifting shadow. Think about that. So it's like, then you're thinking, okay, then it feels like a contradiction. Anytime it might feel that way, go deeper. Don't just sit on the surface of a scripture and be like, I don't understand. No, there's no excuse now. We have a ton of, of resources at our disposal. Uh, um, we can study the original language. You understand the full context of it. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to figure this out. The idea is that God has made the law of sowing and reaping and evil and bad results will come when people sin. God has decreed that misery, sorrow, and distress will come as a result of sin. The Hebrew word does, in this scripture doesn't mean that sin is created by God. It means that we will, if we sin, we reap the consequences and that is our responsibility. God simply made the law and the penalty for breaking the law. So yes, the penalty is God's like, yep, if you sin, then this disaster comes on you. I decided that. Yes. But the, but the law is clear. If we sin and reap the consequences, that's our responsibility. God made the law and the penalty for breaking the law. And honestly, you know, you think about in the Garden of Eden, um, do you think that, that God ultimately felt, uh, you know what, the good thing here, I hope that they mess up so I can kick them out. No, that's not what God wanted. But Adam and Eve made a decision. John says the idea of God creating both light and darkness is a new age concept. Yeah, I believe it. It sounds like it. Because that's how so many Christians explain away the idea that God wants to bless you and that God wants you healed. Well, you know, God made good and bad, so, you know, we just have to take it and whatever happens, happens. And that's a horrible way of going through life. Knowing that God's a good father and it's like, well, actually every now and then he's just going to strike you dead if you, you know, just because he feels like it. No, there is a penalty and a consequence for sin. I never shy away from speaking about sin and the consequences of it. And there are many. Why? Because God doesn't shy away from it in his word. He made it very, very clear. Think about this. Um, you, you think of, um, the book of Isaiah. Okay. Um, what, 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 what was happening here? There was a lot of, uh, um, Isaiah was a prophet who was letting the people know if you don't repent, you will be punished. Well, Sheba, um, you know, I, I, th th that is a tough question. But the thing is, again, God chose to create the world. And he chose, actually, you know what? Let me, let me go on in the study because, um, let, me, let me go on in the study. And, and we're, we're going to get to that. Turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk 1 and verse 12. 
O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. You Did you hear that? Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. If God created evil, how in the world does that make any sense? He's too, God is completely pure. There is no evil found within him. Jesus was perfect. There was no sin in him. So how then can, and I mean, I already answered the question, but just, just to, to, to bring it more, bring it about. So, because then he asks the question, he continues, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? I'm going to, I'll answer the question. Uh, this is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. God has to see sin and iniquity, but he does not and cannot approve of it. He keeps an accurate record of all evil and will judge every man according to what he has done. God is not responsible for sin, even though he looks on it and does not stop it. He permits free moral agents to commit sin. He keeps a record of wrongs and warns everyone of judgment for their wrongdoing. He warns everyone of judgment for their wrongdoing. There is warning. You know. We know. Before I go on, I want to read a little bit more in, in, in Isaiah 45 because this is, now I'm not saying that this is any of you. This isn't because you're all great people. But I think sometimes, okay, listen to verse nine. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker, to him who is but a potsherd among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say he has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, what have you begotten? Or to his mother, what have you brought to birth? Listen to verse 11. This might answer a, a question. <laughs> this is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its makers, concerning things to come. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. I will tell you this. I do not question God. I know these are hard questions. I know it feels like there's no answer, but I will not dare approach God and say, why did you do it this way? Be very, very careful. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker. Are you, God's basically saying, are you seriously questioning me about why I created things the way I did concerning my children? Who are you? Who is the clay to say to the potter, what are you making? So friends, I, I will advise this and I'm not, this isn't a cop out because I don't want to answer questions. I, I wrote all the, I wrote everything down. I'm just, just to let you know, I'm very cautious with which, how much I'm going to question God. He does know the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He chose to do it his way.
And I am certainly not going to question him. I can't question him. And again, I know that's not the answer you're looking for. And it might feel like a cop-out. But I, you know, when you read the scripture in Isaiah, I can't get around it. Do you question me about my children or give me orders about the work of my hands? You know, so when I, when I hear preachers like, oh, if I could say to God, um, you know, I would say, God, why didn't you? No, no, Mm-mm, not me. You could, you could, uh, thanks you, but I appreciate that. Um, no, because some people might feel that way. Oh, well, that's the easy answer. No, it's not an easy, you, none of this is easy. None of these things are easy. So then you ask the question, um, well, God wants us to talk to him and he'll, listen, the Bible says, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. That's what it says, it says in the book of James. So it's okay to, you know, Lord, I don't understand this. Um, I'm not sure about this. This is confusing to me. God, God's not trying um, to keep you confused or, or keep you like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You know, I, I, I want you to be confused. You're my children. Don't you dare question me. I want you to be confused. No, God loves us. But, it, but there's certain things we have to be very careful. And what are we questioning here? Because there's stuff that we might not like. And we say, well, God, why did God do it this way? God, God, why did God have to do it this way? Why did God have to send, why did God have to kill his son, um, you know, to save us? Why did he have to do that? Why couldn't he just sacrifice himself? Mm, well, t- technically, anyways, technically he did. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, it's tough questions. And God wants, to, he, he's going to give us wisdom. He's going to give us understanding. God gives us those things. So no, you're not, in, you're not in a situation in which you're just one big confused person and it's like, well, I guess I, I have no choice. Um, you know, I, I can't ever, I'm always going to be confused the rest of my life. No, absolutely not. So then, we ask the next question. Why does God allow sin and evil then? Because, thank you, Pastor Steve. I'm not sure about the face on it, but you know, just kidding. <laughs> I wear it with, uh, with holy pride, not bad pride. Um, why does God allow sin and evil? Because, listen, this is, this is the best way to put it. Because he chose to create a real world in which choices have consequences. If God had decided to program people to always do right, there would be no meaningful relationship between him and his creation because he wants to be chosen. That's powerful to me. God wants to be chosen. He doesn't want robots. He could have created robots. He doesn't want that. He wants people that out of a love for him will choose him, will deny themselves, will say, I will carry my cross and I will serve God and I will submit to him. Not because I have to, but because I want to, because I love him. That's what he wants. Maybe that's not a good enough answer to some people, but that's good enough for me. Maybe people still don't like the answer, but again, I refer them to Isaiah chapter 45. 
Who are we? We're the clay. We don't get to question the potter of why he does it, but we understand why. He wants a meaningful relationship between him and his creation. He wants to be chosen. Why does the Bible say that the prophet says, return back to your first love? Because our human sinful nature will always try to lead us away from him. To, to, to satisfy a fleshly desire. And ultimately, by the way, oh, you know, because again, I, I just said all that and there'll still be people who are like, but why does God allow evil? I, again, I gave you a, a, a biblical response and then I showed you from the word why we don't, we're not questioning God about the work of his hands. That's why I love uh, what the prophet Ezekiel said. Um, when God asks him a question and he's like, thou knowest, only you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. Um, God gave responsibility to restrain evil to two entities. Number one, to the government. Everybody's favorite scripture, Romans 13. What is it there for? The government is in place to punish evildoers who transgress God's law. Not to send Christians to court for going to church. No. To punish evil people who transgress the law of God. He set the governments in place to do just that. And number two, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he put the church in charge that has authority over all the power of the enemy, just like Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, to be the restrainer of the Antichrist. It's not God's fault if we're not doing our job. And so it is our responsibility. P Christians hate taking responsibility. They don't want responsibility for anything. Oh, you know, I'm enough. You know, <laughs> you know they say dumb things. Don't say dumb things. God gave the responsibility to people to restrain evil. And if evil run, has run rampant, don't blame God. Don't blame God. We have a responsibility as the church. I'm not going to leave it up to the government, that's for sure. So be very, be very careful when you, when you quote scripture. Make sure you know what you're talking about or you look silly. So why does God allow it? God also allows what we allow. And we've allowed it no problem. Because we're too afraid to offend anyone. Oh. We have to build bridges, amen. Build bridges to what? Who, who do you have a bridge with? Again. Everything. And always. Done in love. And out of love. So that, that's where. I mean Christians miss it both ways. Christians miss it, miss it both ways. We miss it in the sense that we never say anything. And then we miss it in the sense that it's like we're attacking people all the time. But there is a great middle ground in which in love you tell people the truth. Because God, like the Bible says, I have set before you life and death. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. God made it very clear. 
of what we have to do. And if and there's a penalty if we don't listen. There's a penalty if, if we don't uh, um, if we don't heed the warnings. That's why as the church, we're here to restrain evil. It's not going to disappear. It can't disappear until uh, um, until the end. And then there we then there will be a point where it's all going to be gone. But we're not there yet. And so until then, we have a responsibility. But the easy thing is always to blame God. Oh, why does a good God allow uh, this and that? Why are you allowing it? What did Jesus say in Luke 10? I have given you authority. But instead rejoice that your names are registered in heaven. That's right. He wants to be loved, not forced. You know, think about anybody who's in a relationship. Do you want the person to be in a relationship with you out of force? It, listen, as somebody who's married, it, it's very, it feels great to know that somebody chose to marry me. Me of all people. I'm not always the easiest. <laughs> God bless my husband. But somebody made a decision. I want to be with her. That's nice. That's nice. That feels nice. I don't, I'm not sure that I would like if I, if I forced him to be with me. I, I don't know that I would like that. I don't want to force anybody to, to, to love me. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure all of you would agree. So yeah, God could have created robots. I guess it would have been easier, but you know, and all everyone who has children, you know, you know that ultimately your kids have to decide what they're going to do, that you can do everything that you possibly can for them, but ultimately they're going to make a decision. You're not going to be like, ah, forget it then. Um, forget it. Forget the, forget the kid. I don't want to bother. No, you love the child and you do everything you can for them and you pray that they choose you. And they choose the Lord. I love our Father in Heaven. That's why I chose to be in relationship with Him. If you're not in relationship with Him, I would encourage you to make that decision tonight. Because like I read earlier in those scriptures in Ephesians and Colossians, we were once in the kingdom of darkness. But now we have been transferred into the kingdom of light. Well, Chloe, like I read earlier, um, God, uh, Satan is the God, small g, of this world. And Satan has a very, very small measure of authority, super small measure of authority, but not over the believer. The problem is for a lot of believers is they don't think that they have authority over the devil. They think, for whatever reason, that sickness comes from God, and therefore they should accept it. You know, Job, even Job, who was like a million covenants ago, we're in covenant, we're in the new covenant through Christ. We're, we're protected by the blood of Christ. Even Job, Satan had to be allowed to have access to him. He couldn't even just have access without asking. Think, just think about how crazy that is. Think about how crazy that is. Because Job was a righteous man. But he was three, four covenants ago. Where he didn't have the blood of Jesus. He, he couldn't call on the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's... I, Chloe, I have... Um, 
I have, um, um, I've done a lot of studies about that subject, but it's a great question. But like Jesus said, I have given you authority. Go back to Luke 10. I have Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing but will by any means harm you. And again, what happens with a lot of Christians is, and this is exactly why I do studies like this, because they believe that sickness comes from the hand of God. And if sickness comes from the hand of God, well, they, they need to just accept it. It's a part of life, you know. Or not, or not even necessarily that it's from the hand of God, but rather it's just like a, a normal part of life. Well, you know, it's, it's flu season, and uh, or, you know, it's allergy season, or, uh, well, you know, uh, this runs in my family, this runs in my, it's hereditary, you know, you should get checked, because if your mom, you know, this is the way the world speaks. But we're children of God. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. And if you understand what that entails... That Jamin, you know what's even more weird? Christians who think that sickness is just a part of life, but they'll seek medical help. So if you really think it's just a normal part of life, why are you seeking medical help? Just let it happen. Why are you going to the doctor? Clearly, you believe that this needs to be taken away somehow. Cut out the middleman and understand that God has given you authority, that through the blood of Christ, you have been made whole. That you don't have to suffer for one more moment if you are suffering. You know, there, 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 there is a... There, the Bible talks about the, the, uh, the, enemy of, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of the brethren. The, the, the devil is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he's going to try but he doesn't have authority over you. I hope that answers your question. I know that was like a very short version of a big topic that I, like I said, I've, I've done um, uh, a lot of studies on this subject because it's super important. So, as I said, and as I do at the end of every broadcast every week, if you're not in relationship with God, I'm glad, Chloe. If you're not in relationship with God, make a decision tonight. Heaven is real, but so is hell. And God didn't create hell to send people. God created hell as, an, as a resting place for Satan and his demons. So if people go there, it's because they have chosen it. But you can make a better decision tonight to say, nope, I'm not going to choose that. I am going to choose God. I want to be in right relationship with him because I love him because he's a good, good father. So pray this prayer. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart you that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Why do we do a prayer? I like, you know, the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. I, listen, do you want to know why I, I think it matters? Because, you know, I want to make sure people understand what they're doing. Like, is that okay? Well, I'm, it is okay. So I'm not, ask, I'm not asking permission, but I'm just saying. Um, I, 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 I want to make sure people understand what they're doing. Um, and making sure that it's sincere. So that's it. That's why. And the Bible says, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. So there's an, 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 you need to speak it. So pray this prayer out loud, out of your mouth after me. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, message this account. We want to get to know you and welcome to the family of God.